So why crypto? So why crypto? So why crypto? Featuring Vishal and Quay. Greetings. Welcome to another edition of So Why Crypto, where we look at crypto as a technology. My name is Quay, and as always, my partner in crime, Vishal. And today we're going to discuss why we need decentralization exchanges and, and the technology that comes with it. Now, we've told you before we're going to have the best of the best. And so I'm very excited to let you know today we have Chad Bearford from Thor Chain. Well, you haven't got the best of the best. So. You're working your way up. You're starting on the, on the <laughs> bottom of the barrel and you're working your way back. To the best of the best. Yo, you are the best of the best. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, give some hand praise right here. Welcome to So Why Crypto. How are you? Good, good. Good. Thanks, Evan. Thanks for and having me. So, can you give a little background about yourself and tell everybody about yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a dev and an entrepreneur at heart. Um, I've been working on various projects for a long period of time. Uh, I first got into coding probably in like 2008 or so. Um, I was inspired by that movie uh, Iron Man that Robert Downey Jr. did many years ago. And I thought that Jarvis character was cool. So I, I decided to learn how to code and, and build it. <laughs> I don't know why. I, just, I thought it was be kind of a fun thing to do. And so I actually did build it. I actually actually had a fully functional working system. It took me about a year to do so. Uh, and then that was like the beginning of my, uh, you know, coding life, if you will. And ever since then, I've been building various uh, things that I thought would be either interesting or complicated or, or fun to build or something like this. And ThorChain is obviously the, the most recent uh, manifestation of that. Well, I've never um, I've heard that motivation. I'm a fan of Iron Man too, so I know exactly what you're talking you know about. That, exactly you know, Paul Bettany play, playing Jarvis like that's such a cool concept. I love the idea, but I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna I, I'll just build it. Like I don't know, I'll just see how far I can get, take it. And it was really like a lot of fun. Wow, wow, that's a, that's amazing. Um, so a la uh, Matrix, um, when there was the blue pill and the red pill. When was the first time you were crypto pilled? <laughs> uh, so I was actually crypto pilled. I was actually living in Croatia at the time. I, just, I was just starting my like multi-year uh, digital nomad lifestyle. And I met these couple of guys who were, were big like crypto fans. Uh, and they started to kind of explaining the details. Like, man, I heard about crypto before. I heard about Bitcoin before. And I think my first thought was like, well, there's no way the government would allow a you know, some sort of money to be created that's not the U.S. dollar. Like they would obviously not like that for for many reasons, and so I kind of dismissed it initially because of that reason. Uh, and then I realized later on that like, well, no government has ever been successful in actually shutting down a, a proper peer to peer network. It's never happened in the history of humanity. Never China's never done it. U.S. has never done it. You know, when it's properly designed, can't be shut down. And once I heard that, I'm like, oh, well, the government doesn't really have any power to do anything like this. So. Let's let's put on the gas. Anyway, so I met these guys in Croatia. They told me all about it. I was really really fast with the technology. So I decided to build a blockchain from scratch, just like roll it up from nothing, uh, and actually build a working blockchain just for the purposes of uh, academic research and understanding. And so once I did that, I was like, wow, this is this can shift so many aspects of humanity. I mean, it's, it's as big of an invention as the internet itself. Because it's going to allow the internet to do things that was never capable or possible before. Money being 
the first and most immediate use case of it, but there's so many other aspects too that crypto can revolutionize this, this entire plan in such significant ways. And so I just decided to like, I need to dedicate everything I have, like whatever brain juices I have, like dripping in my cranium, I need to fixate and and and, and put them forth on, on this particular uh, industry because it's so young and it's so much potential and just needs innovators, it needs developers, it needs marketers, it needs business people, it needs everything. I'm not, most of those things I've just, uh, I like to think myself as an innovator and a, and a, and a developer. So I'm putting everything I have towards this, this industry to build whatever I can to make it better. Right. So what year was that, that Croatia when you guys started? That was, I think, uh, it was September or uh, September or November, uh, 2017. I think I bought my first Bitcoin in October, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, no, November, 2017, you beat me by a few days, probably. <laughs> That's my first first Bitcoin. Yeah, um, yeah. I you know it's interesting that you mentioned this. I I started reading about money, uh, like you know when I when I learned about Bitcoin, and one of the one of the most fascinating things that I found was that the first writing. I'm a reader. I'm a nerd. So, the first writing that ever has been discovered was actually ledgers of people you know, who owes what money to, to whom. And it's really fascinating that to, you know, you can sort of conclude that money is actually older than writing itself, uh, which the technology we use constantly all the time. So um, it is a fundamental thing in society that needs to be solved. And uh, totally Bitcoin got my attention at that point. When, when I read that, I was like, wow, this is, this goes deep. Um, Anyhow, so next question I have for you is, uh, you know, b before I ask you the question, I wanted to, you know, I asked a Twitter Q&A with you uh, last year. And one of the things in the response you said, and you probably don't even remember it, you say, you know, price is one of those things that you ignore and you keep shipping. And I was like, okay, well, you know, you pay attention to price, like what? Uh, and it took me four years, three, well, from the time I bought Bitcoin and then, you know, about another six months or so, to really, you were one of the inspiration for this podcast because we didn't want to talk price. We wanted to talk technology saying, hey, like, let's just keep building. Let's just keep solving some interesting problems. And, and you know, what Koi and I are going to do is like, you know, we're going to be sort of uh, people who have the voice who can actually come and talk to talk to people. Uh, just talk about the community. We're not builder. We're not coder. Uh, really, really got me shifting my mindset from money and price to like, hey, let's do, let's look at this as a technology. So, wanted to to give you uh, some recognition for that. Uh, that 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 was a big yeah. inspiration for this podcast. Yep, my, the price is like there's a lot of things that that go into the price, right? And and some of those things are within the Thorchain ecosystem, and some of those things are outside of it. Whether it be FTX collapsing or just just general macro things happening. And so that can affect the price, which is why I don't really care so much about it because just like all I care about is building what we're building, contributing to the space by, by giving significant value propositions. And the price doesn't really relate to that too much. I mean, it does in some sense, but it's like, you know, six or seventh down the list. It's not like number one. So mm -hmm. it's, we have, to, we have to remember that we're here to build, we're here to ship, we're here to innovate, we're here to expand this industry to do a lot more for people than what it's doing today and so like price has no relationship to those goals to the important things of what we're trying to accomplish that's good yeah so 
like you mentioned, you know, humanity has had many, many transformational technologies from the wheel to the car to, to planes. I mean, we're able to live our lives differently because of those inventions. Uh, what makes crypto so transformational that humans can do certain things that, that you see as use cases? Um, so like, um, one of the biggest injustices in the world, like, so money itself is one of the biggest things in the world. Like what in the world is bigger than money? Like not much. Right. And so how that is flows within societies is critically important. Like it's like, it's the lifeblood of our economies, right? Money itself. And so who has access to it and who doesn't have access to it significantly affects the livelihoods and the quality of life that any particular human is having. So in some countries, like in, in Russia, for example, like most people don't have access to, to financial services in Russia, right? I mean, if you're wealthy, you have access to all, then the red sure. carpet comes out and then you have access to all these opportunities that you can do. But if you're like, you know, a lonely sheep herder in the, some suburb of Russia, you what do you have access to? Not much, like really, really not that much, right? I mean, we've seen examples in like in, in American history where uh, in the 1960s, it was very difficult for a person of color to get a loan. The bank loan because sure. who, well why would a white bank want to give money to a black person like blah, blah 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 right like that was like a big problem and then there had to be a scenario where some uh these couple of black guys bought a bank using a white person as their like front man <laughs> just so they could start giving out loans to people of color and then what happened to those people of color when they had loans well they bought houses they built businesses they improved the quality of their lives because they had access to financial services whoa like crazy right <laughs> So imagine if we build financial services, primitives, that are fundamentally available to every man, woman, and child across this entire planet, no matter what side of an imaginary line that you happen to be on. Everybody has access, no matter who you are, how old you are, how, if you're gay, straight, black, white, purple, polka-dotted, who the fuck cares? And everybody has equal access to the, to the same financial services that treats everybody with true equality? When have we ever had financial services that give actually had true equality? Fuck, never. We've never had it in human society that we actually had equal access to financial services. That's never happened in any human society ever. But now we have the ability to build a new financial system that actually gives true equality, capital E, equality, to every person across this entire planet. That's insane. That can shift society in such significant ways. We've never seen that done in the history of humanity, right? I mean, the, the airplane shrunk the world, the car shrunk the world, all that's great stuff. But when do we ever actually have the ability to give everybody access to financial services? We've never done it as a society. Yeah. We've never fucking done it our entire fucking societies. And now we have the ability to do so. That's incredible. That's amazing. That is world shaping. Yeah, when you think about that too, because... I always think about how much talent is out there that just hasn't had the opportunity to grow, you know? And so that's kind of the same idea if, if there's, you know, uh, allocation resources for all, think of how many new things can happen. And that's exciting. Right. Talent is everywhere in the world, but opportunity is not. And that's the problem. There's brilliant people in every corner of this planet who are capable of building amazing businesses, amazing technologies, amazing services, but they don't do it because they don't have the opportunity to do so. That's horseshit. 
that's a, that's a failure of society. And that's one of the things that I hope that crypto will play a role. Not won't be the, the only solution to this problem, but it will play a role to help empower people to have access to these services so that they can functionally build their lives in a much more um, uh, empowered way. That's a fundamental shift. No, that's pretty good, man. You seem pretty pumped about it, too. It seems like, uh, you know, it's one of those... I absolutely pumped up. This, this stuff is what gets me up in the morning, right? I don't really uh, care so much about, like, number go up. Obviously, it's good when it does, but like yeah, yeah. that's that's not the focus here. The focus here is to build new financial services for the entire world to consume, and that's worth my time. Good, good, good. So, <clears throat> so we want to talk about the, the the decentralized exchanges role in the in the in the whole crypto space. But in order for us to to say that you know we need these exchanges or decentralized exchanges. We need to sort of establish that the future is going to be multi-chain. Me and Koi think it's going to be multi-chain. We love Ethereum. We love smart contracts. We think there's so many other things could be solved um, with with different blockchains. Uh, I want to hear your take on why do you think the future will be multi-chain? Um, well, there's a really simple explanation of why, okay? yeah. and that is in the history of humanity. There's never a tool that solves all things, right? Sure. Like you can have a tool shed from the back of your house that has a bunch of different things in it. It could have a hammer in it and a saw and it can have, uh, you know, nails and it can have like tons of different things. And you will, ne will never invent a tool that just like replaces the entirety of a tool shed, right? Because each individual tool has a, a different list of attributes or requirements for it to do what it does, right? So every time we create an industry, and crypto is an industry, there will always be a myriad of, of different services or tools that are good use cases for situation A, and then another tool that's a really good use case for situation B. Like even within a hammer, you have a tack hammer, a nail hammer, and a sledgehammer, sure. right? But you wouldn't use a sledgehammer when you want to put in a tack, and you wouldn't use a tack to put in a, like a, a, a railroad spike in a, in a railroad because it's the wrong fucking tool, even though it does the same thing as what the other one does, right? And so we will always have different services. And for Bitcoin, it's a good store of value that, that prioritizes decentralization and security. And for Ethereum, it's like the world computer, quote unquote. Like, And even within the internet, you have eBay and you have Amazon and you have Google, and they all do different things. Facebook, they all do different things. And like Facebook is not going to replace eBay. Right. And eBay is not going to replace Amazon. Right. We just have different tools for different things we want to accomplish as people. And there will never be a single tool, whether it be Bitcoin or anything else, that will be able to, to supply what the requirements, the needs of humanity. Right. That's never happened in any technology across the entire planet that I can think of. We've always yeah. had a myriad of things that are used for different purposes because we have different requirements in different situations. So we need unique tools built for that specific purpose. And ThorChain is just one thing of like, we want to transact value across from chain A to chain B. It does that extremely well. It's very effective at what it does, at what it does. but it's not going to be a store of value. It's not going to like debunk Bitcoin or anything like this. There was a time that I thought my Swiss pocket army knife would handle all problems in the world. And then I realized, like you said, there's not anything that covers everything. And so I completely. Even your Swiss army knife doesn't do anything particularly well. 
right? Like it has, it has a knife in it, which is great. But when like there are better knives, right? Then that Swiss Army knife. If you wanted right. to like go hiking and you want to like, cut down a tree, you wouldn't use that Swiss Army knife. It'd be you know, even the corkscrew in it is not very good corkscrew. I mean, it works; it gets the job done, but it's not a very yes. good one. So oftentimes, when you create something that is like a Swiss Army knife that does all these things, generally none of the tools that it does actually does an effective job where like in the Linux mentality, like each individual command line tool does one, generally speaking, one thing and it does that one thing so perfectly well. It's just brilliantly, it's just extremely good at doing that one thing. And so I, I think we that's the way to go is to build uh, blockchain that do a specific thing very, very well and not try to be the jack of all trades that does all the things, but none of them particularly well. We have different projects that are trying to do that now. And I don't think in my opinion, they're, they're, really getting anywhere in my in my my two not by price or by like these other kind of things but just by like who's who's launching what on these things and right. does anybody use those things hmm. not so much so when you think about decentralized versus centralized well you know think about it like, you know when cars were first introduced people laughed Look at that big hunk of junk, you know, they left. And then uh, they constantly were breaking down, getting stuck in the mud, slow. And so when you kind of think about uh, analogy, decentralized is building infrastructure, roads, people to exchange crypto. So exchanges are building an infrastructure for crypto. How is the infrastructure different between centralized and centralized exchanges? Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of differences between them. Um, for one, like the benefit of centralization is that it's very efficient because it has all, it controls all of its power. It can scale up its, its infrastructure very, very quickly and, and relatively cheaply. And, and so central exchanges will always outperform the central exchanges in terms of like number of trades per minute or some metric like this, right? But blockchains and decentralization is not very good for performance. Like, it doesn't really do that well, and that's, not, and that's okay. It's offering a different value, a different purpose, a different uh, characteristic that is empowering to humanity, right? So centralized exchanges will always hold what I call, like, the human risk, right? It's run by people, and people are, you know, some are good, good people and some are not so good people. Some are, like, sandbag and fruit, right? Like, some <laughs> people are who will, you know, do shady ass shit or just be incompetent and like not realize that your entire infrastructure is like exposed to the world and all the coins could be you know ripped out of that exchange or whatever the central exchange and so the problem with human risk is that it, it can never be removed right you cannot remove you can hire people you can fire people but like as long as there are people that are, exist within that system they will always maintain human risk. And that human risk does not go down over time. It stays more or less constant. That's the problem, right? The only way to get rid of human risk is to, is to remove humans itself. That's what we call DeFi, right? That's what we call smart contracts, right? You, once you get rid of human risk, the only thing you're, that's remaining is protocol risk. And protocol risk is like, what are the odds that this, this smart contract or this piece of software, whatever it might be, has some major exploit in it where funds could be lost, right? And protocol risk, generally speaking, goes down over time, right? With every block that is minted in the Ethereum ecosystem for a particular, uh, you know, uh, DeFi protocol, the odds of something being, pro some problem being, goes down over time, just naturally, right? Just naturally goes down. It doesn't mean that 
it's going to be safe and secure after one year. I'm not saying that because even Bitcoin was, was exploited, you know, multiple times over the time span of like 10 years. Right. But with time, all that risk kind of dissipates and goes down. And as the code gets more ossified, that becomes even more true. So we're, we're structurally building new systems that are that are offering less risk, that is readily available to more people, that empowers people without the ability to the requirement to ask for permission or get KYC'd or any of these kinds of things, right? Like even my wife has a hard time signing up for a central exchange because she changed her last name. I mean, we got married, right? And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden her ID is not matching her name anymore. And it's just a huge pain in the ass. Like even my father-in-law tried to buy some crypto of an exchange and couldn't withdraw it from the exchange for some period of time. Like it was like two weeks or something like this. This is all nonsense. This is horseshit. We we don't have to put up with this bullshit that we have to do with, with central exchanges. We've all had our, our horror stories, right? Like I, some guy messaged me the other day talking, talking about how like all of his coins were taken from essential, on a central exchange until he abide by a, a series of like requests of information or something like this. I'm just like, dude, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? This makes no, like it, it only makes sense to people who grew up in that system. Oh yeah, this is normal. This is normalized. It's not a big deal when, when, when I put my money into a bank and that money is owned by the bank, that's fine, right? <laughs> but legally, when you put cash into a bank, it becomes the bank's property and not yours in a legal sense. So if they lose it all, they don't actually owe you anything, legally speaking. They might do FDIC insured, but you, you may still be fucked, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It has that's how it's designed. That's how it's, that, that's why they have the ability to lend it out because they take ownership of it, right? And so they can lend it out to the people. And it's not, it's not your money you're lending, it's, it's their money. Because soon you transfer it, it becomes there. Oh man, I wish I was making this shit up because it sounds ridiculous. This is such a great. I'm glad you're bringing this up because I think there's a lot of people in the world that don't understand that. And and so just to have this conversation, I think we talked about this before, Vishal and I. But this is thank you for bringing this up because I think this is very important. There was this crazy news article I remember like a couple months ago. I can't remember which country it was in. I wish I did. But they, the bank wouldn't give people their money back because they gave it all away or I don't know what the hell they fucking did with it. They just did something with it. And so people literally started breaking into banks and stealing money, their own money, <laughs> to get their money back. I mean, what bizarre fucking planet are we on that people feel this, the necessity to, to rob a bank in order to take your own money out of your own bank? That's fucking... That is crazy. That's fucking nutty. Yeah. That's that's literally what happened like a few months ago in this world. <laughs> and totally. And if that doesn't draw the picture of why we need decentralized finance, gosh, I don't know what else would. Yeah, well, I'll I'll add into some of the stupid thing humanity has done. So I, I actually have used Celsius, FTX, BlockFi, all three are fucking bankrupt now, right? So um, I luckily moved most of my money into Cool Wallet and some are actually with Torchain and uh, as an as a LP. And some of that, like my, some of my Zcash is, was left with Celsius. Now I get emails from them saying, it's going in bankruptcy. I, I don't think I'm going to see it. And I had a little bit of Bitcoin with, uh, with Blockify. I don't think I'm going to see it. I played poker with this guy. He said all his money's in FTX and 
you know, he had a surgery with Bitcoin. Anyhow, he, he had a really wonderful story with Bitcoin. Like he bought it when it was like 10 grand, it became 60 grand. He had a surgery with it. And then he said, it's, it's all gone. He's like, <laughs> anyhow, so story, even the, the you know, the, these bankers are bringing, I'm an ex-banker, so I can, I can say this, I guess. They're doing their fuck up predatory stuff that they've done in the banking industry, they're doing in the crypto now. And perhaps that is one of the way it's gonna get mainstream. It is gonna bring some pain to people or they're gonna move it on to, to, to decentralized exchanges. Um, my, my question to you is uh, just sort of related is like, what does decentralized exchanges, in particular Thor since, since you're, you're, you, know, you work on that code, what do they do to make sure something like this doesn't happen where uh, user funds are just gone like if I put like, you know, five Bitcoin that I accumulated over time and one day they'll just disappear. I know there's risk always in, in protocol. You mentioned that, but like, what, what do you guys do to make sure that doesn't happen? Well, before I answer that, let me ask, I'll, let me just give a little fun story. About yeah. What you were saying. I was giving a talk in London uh, like a year or two ago, whatever it was. And uh, the guy from Celsius, like the CEO of Celsius, I can't remember his name right now. Alex, Alex. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he was on stage and, and, we, and he was doing doing his talk and he said like, oh, Bitcoin is has a 50% chance of going up and a 50% chance of going down. And the entire audience started laughing because it was just like a funny, nonsensical, thank you for the value <laughs> to yeah. the conversation. And so when I got onto stage later to do my little like thing, whatever, with the panel, I was kind of stating how like how C5 is, you know, it's it's got limited days to it. It's, it's just kind of like transitorial like a ease of like getting us from TradFi to, to DeFi. And in the middle is this like CFI thing that kind of like helps some people get over the over the line in a sense. Mm -hmm. But over a long period of time, like CFI's days are basically numbered. <laughs> and that guy was like in the audience listening to me speak. And he literally got up and just walked out. <laughs> oh, wow. He just got up and just walked out of the way. As soon as I said that, I saw him just like stand up and walk away. I was like, oh, I guess he didn't like that that one too much. <laughs> that was your Nostradamus moment, man. You predicted that, huh? <laughs> well, I didn't sure I predicted it, but like, I want to take, take, take that kind of credit. But I, I just, I, I don't see the, the purpose of CFI in the long term. It, 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 it'll it'll probably, you know, go away, at least 90% go away, you know, in the long term. Oh, sorry, but to answer your question about, yeah, you asked me about uh, what is, how does ThorChain, um, you know, solve the problem of a DeFi is struggling to solve. Um, so it means a handful of things. One is, um, the one of the problems with CFI is what I call black box finance, right? Is this the idea that there's a bunch of things happening in the background that nobody can see into and nobody knows what the hell's going on. And that's really why you need regulation because you have these entities, these people in the background who can do things and move money around in a way that nobody else can be visible to it. That's why you actually need regulation to stop these people from doing those kind of things. But in DeFi and in ThorChain's case, um, there's no ability to do so. There's, it doesn't exist in any stretch or form, right? I, I don't have any ability to move the money around on ThorChain, and thankfully, I don't want that ability to do that. that. That would be antithetical to what I'm trying to accomplish here or what we're trying to accomplish as, as a community. So that's the first thing is like every every um, every SAT is, is accounted for on the network, and it can be verifiable 
by anybody in the world who wants to. In fact, there's actually dashboards that make it easy for you to do so uh, out there in the world. That's the that's the the first thing. And the second thing is that it's controlled by rules, right? Written written in code, right? That are verifiable, that are readable, that are confirmable. And so because of this, you don't actually need regulation anymore. Regulation is required for people because people do terrible, awful things. But software does not. Software does exactly what it's told 100% of the time. Like there's never been a piece of software in the world that has ever not done what it was told to do. Like that's never happened and nowhere will it ever happen, right? That predictability is actually really, really important. So as soon as you're getting involved with something like a ThorChain, you know with complete clarity uh, what is happening? What are the rules are? When can coins be minted? When can they be burned? When can who has the ability to move funds out of the network? Is it just me or is it somebody else? Like all that information is publicly known, right? And if you know all that stuff, then you can make you know good decisions about what you want to align yourself with, what you don't want to align yourself with. That's the other really important component is that like you have the ability to have choice here. You can choose which AMM or which DeFi lending protocol you want to use. Whereas in the TradFi world, you are forced to use particular systems, right? Like you have to use, you know, Wall Street, for example, right? You can't buy Apple stock without going through Wall Street. This is you are forced to use it. They have that monopoly built into it in a literal sense. They have men with guns who enforce it. That you yeah. use specific systems or specific, you have to use the dollar in America. You don't have the, the choice to use something else. You have to use the dollar. And if you don't, then people get pissed at you. You might even go to jail. If you try to create your own money and start spending it places, which happened in the 1800s, right? Which wasn't illegal back then, but it is now. Uh, you know, you have to use what people tell you to use. And the part of the point of DeFi, in my, in my view, is just like a, the freedom of choice, right? Most of the systems that, that abuse people in this country, whether it be financial or education or housing that are mistreat one, one group of people versus another, the reason why it's able to do so is because it forces everybody to use that same system. So if you are a person who's being abused in that system, well, you have no other fucking choice. So take it up the ass while you're at it, right? That's basically what we say <laughs> to people in this country. Like, oh, well, yeah. I don't think I get equal access to housing. And then we sell them like, well, well then fuck you. You're, you're shit out of luck. Go talk to somebody and complain about it. like that. That's basically what we say in this country, right? But as soon as we give people the opportunity for choice, where they can choose which ones, which financial systems they want to engage with, well then all of a sudden the systems that are designed to fuck over Main Street, like Wall Street, for example, like for example, like in Wall Street you have these servers that are like like meters away, feet away from the actual thing, and they actually have better pricing of stocks and bonds than you or I do, right? Yep. They have the ability to dump on you, right? As you being Main Street and, and they as Wall Street have the ability to have to abuse other people in the system because they have that ability to do so. Now, if you have choice where there's five different Wall Streets you can choose from, well, the people they're dumping on aren't going to like being dumped on. And so they're going to choose a system that's more fair and more equal. And if you have a more fair and equal system, then, then those powerful, rich assholes who are dumping on people, well, there's nobody to dump on anymore. Uh-oh, that's a problem for you now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now you have an actual equal system that is actually that is popular because it's equal, not because it's forced upon you by men with guns but because you chose an equal and fair system. And then all of a sudden the rich assholes who have all the power in the world have no power over you. 
Like that is significant, right? And I think that's what Thorchain does. And that's what, you know, Aave does and, and other protocols in the space, right? Like we are creating equal and fair systems that allow you to escape those tyrannical systems where you don't have access to certain things or you get dumped on and to give you access systems that are completely equal, fair, transparent, and available to all. Like that is huge. That is revolutionary. That is a game-changing concept. Obviously, they're not going to like that because they're losing their power. They're sure. losing the ability to dump on people. They're they're going to fight us in the, in many in many respects. And that's definitely coming down the street. But you know, let's stay true to the important things, which is empowering people to have equal access to financial services. Chad, are you a motivational speaker? I'm feeling a bit pumped up right now. Like, I, well, I hopefully, I hope you are pumped, man, because this this shit is no joke. This shit is for real. This this stuff is is so important to the entire world, and I'm so sad that so few people actually get that. So so many people in our industry are here for the dollars. They're here for number go up. They're here for the the degen gambling with the this and the that, you know, or the promise of like Ohm had like a hundred thousand percent APY, for example. Oh yeah, like I'm buying that. Like that's horseshit. That should that should be an immediate red flag of like hundred thousand APY percent APY. What the fuck? Like how does that even? Obviously, it doesn't work. Yeah, it just, it just works on by dumping on other people, which is obviously structurally. More Somebody's money. making money off that, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a Ponzi, right? People who are early investors would make a lot of money on it, and their later persons get dumped on, and it's like, it's literally a fucking Ponzi, right? And, and Ponzi's have been around for obviously hundreds of years, and they will continue for hundreds of years. Nothing new here, nothing new here at all. But I, I it saddens me how few people uh, don't realize how significant this technology is and how transformative it is, and don't spend more of their brain cycles thinking about, well, how can we get to that place? Because that place sounds like amazing that sounds like to me it sounds like a utopia for me yeah. right how do we get there for me i just i like i'm literally trying to build it in a literal fucking sense of it for change is one project i have a couple more that i want to build uh, that i have a uh, plan in my mind but like this is really critically important i want to get more people thinking about those things and less people thinking about you know number go up which right. i get why i mean it's addictive it's you know it's you know Makes you feel like you're going to become a millionaire, you know, and you can buy yeah, yeah. women yeah. and booze or whatever the hell you want to buy, but like <laughs> Lambos, right? I, I get that. It's attractive, right? Becoming a millionaire is obviously an attractive thing. But what's more important is obviously like the betterment of society. Right. Yeah. See, you know, Go ahead. I was just kind of staying on this topic, you know, I think about myself and the way that information was passed to me financially. Uh, you know, my grandfather told my father, my father told me there wasn't a lot of research in between. Right. And so, you know, hearing this conversation, people need to hear more of this because they just follow the suit and not do the research to make very important decisions on their financial uh, careers or, you know, and so, and just thinking about the, this, um, it just excites me. You know, I just, just, I want people to learn this technology. This is why we're in to doing this. This is why you're here to talk about the technology to get more mass adoption. And, you know, but people need friction. You know, what, 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 what is that? What is that friction you think that's going to turn people over to a more decentralized world? Um, I mean, I, th I think we don't necessarily need friction, in my opinion. The reason why I say that is because 
Um, if you want to use Binance to trade Bitcoin to Ethereum, let's just say, the process to do so is actually very arduous, right? You have to sign up, dox yourself, send a video of yourself holding your passport, go with all these hoops, right? And then when you actually want to do the trade, assuming that goes smoothly, which it doesn't go smoothly, like it doesn't go smoothly for my wife, for example, it, assuming that goes well for you, right? And you spent literally the three or four days that it takes to do something like that, right? To get approved and all that kind of stuff. And then if you go through more layers of KYC, if you want to like higher access to these systems in some sense, right? And then when you actually want to do your trade, you have to sign in, get an address, send some Bitcoin in, and then swap it within the system to Ethereum, and then do a withdrawal, but you just have a wallet first to withdraw from. So you need to configure that in the system. And then you can withdraw. But wait, you can't withdraw it yet because you have to hold on to it for like a week or something like this before you can actually withdraw it. All right, I just have to wait another week. And then you withdraw it finally. All in all, that, that took like you know 50 or 100 clicks and like days of your time. And so when you use something like ThorChain, like TrustWallet, for example, I just announced this morning that they're they're launching ThorChain within TrustWallet. So in there, you just click, you just, it's just like three clicks. I click Bitcoin, I click Ethereum, and I click swap. And then I get my money, <laughs> just like that. And probably, and most likely, because we're not some big giant organization that, that has you know a billion dollars in costs every month, the Thorchain will likely have better pricing and better swap fees for most people than Binance will, right? Especially as the liquidity goes up, Savers is going to like make the, the, the depth of the pools higher, which will cause the prices to come down in terms of swap fees. And so it will likely be easier, faster, and cheaper than Binance. So the friction so much isn't so much the friction of, of uh, it's more of like the, the friction of what C5 requires you to go through. The hoops that you have to jump through naturally is part of being C5 because of all these regulation and KYCs, blah, 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 blah. And DeFi is just like permissionless and just so you can just get what you want when you want it at the speed of the internet, right? That is going to be the thing that makes DeFi successful. Not so much of like convincing people like KYC is bad because that's kind of a hard sell for most of like Main Street. Like they don't really care about it. Like they don't care about their privacy. Like that's just most people. What they do care about is time and convenience and cheaper, pre cheaper prices. And so click, 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 get my Ethereum. I'm done. Why the hell would I want to spend a week and a half signing up on Binance to do what I just did in a matter of 10 seconds on my, on my phone? Right. It just becomes nonsense, right? It becomes ridiculous. It becomes the only people who would use it as people who are trying to get in through fiat like buy or buy or sell fiat. Or maybe if you're making a huge trade, you need like an OTC dealer if you're like a multimillionaire whale. Like most, that's not most people. Like I don't know many, sure. you know, I don't know if you guys are multimillion dollar whales or not, but but like there's not a lot no, of those people. Not that big. No, not over the counter <laughs> kind of guys. Uh, you know, this kind of reminds me of, uh, I've never heard this where you're talking the clicks. So I, I lived in Silicon Valley for about 24, 25 years and I was in the finance. And one of the mantra in the, in, the, in the tech is, how could we have people make the least clicks possible? Like literally engineers come in and, and you know, you're an engineer, so you know this, like come in like, okay, it takes them 10 steps. How can we make it nine? And then nine to eight, then, you know, there, there's, a, there's, there's a point where it's two or three is, is minimal you gotta do. Uh, so that, that's a very interesting thing that the people gonna figure it out like we're doing, going jumping through hoops. That's the old system, but the new system is like, hey, where I can just have it in my wallet from my extension or my cell phone, exchange it, boom, I'm done. I don't have to wait like, you know, 50 clicks in two weeks. 
So I think that that's that's going to bring you mainstream, Corey. To your point, I think that's that's one of the one of the dominoes, definitely. Yeah, and not only that, like with Thorchain's uh, Dex aggregation concept and the ability to connect multiple Dexes together and aggregate multiple Dexes across multiple ecosystems together, like within your trust wallet, you'll have the access to pretty much every coin out there, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the vast vast majority of them. much more assets than what CFI can possibly offer you. And so you'll have access to not only just cheaper, faster, more um, more efficient um, access to crypto, but you'll have access to more assets as well. Uh, also, just to point out, Trust Wallet is probably a big, uh, 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 you know, a big domino also in, in adoption because I know that they have millions of users. And I know CZ has been sort of saying, hey, if you want to move stuff from Binance, move it over to Trust Wallet. I guess they've done their homework. So. So congrats on that. That's that's pretty big. Yeah, congratulations for for the community. Yeah, that integration is obviously huge, uh, and um, we expect to see you know really good trade volume coming from those that user base. Awesome. And those people, like by the way, like those people using Trust Wallet, like they probably don't even know they're using Thorchain. And all they really care about is the the click click and I get my assets. They don't care about what the back end is, right? It's like sure. you don't really care about how the pistons are firing or how the spark plug is starting your car or the carburetor is doing the thing. All you really care is that like, I, I, I control the wheel and I get from point A to point B and I, and I'm a happy, happy guy. Right. I got, I got to work on time. Right. I, yeah, you know, yeah. That's all you really care about. And so Thorchain will likely be the same thing of like, it's just going to fade off into the, into the background. Nobody even knows that it's there more or less, but everybody's using it all the time. And so you have this massive trade volume pa- passing through Thorchain's network, which is great. Right. But nobody knows they're even, they're even using it. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that'll be very, very exciting. Uh, I want to talk about decentralization a little bit. Uh, so, so, you know, we have one spectrum. We got Coinbase, right? Uh, that's like one node, Brian Armstrong, basically. Uh, and then you got Bitcoin, which is probably the most decentralized, 10,000 nodes, probably more. And then Thorchain, as a decentralization, you guys have about 85 to 100 something like that. What do you think is optimal number for you guys to be decentralized or just 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 DEXs in general? Um, uh, kind of curious to, to, uh, to hear your take on that. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so Bitcoin's decentralized the way that it's decentralized is, is, is because of its proof of work uh, algorithm sure. right, that uses for, for consensus. Um, and that's very good for, for um, for that particular use case, uh, comically, it's a little bit. It's almost funny to say, but 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 blocks within new blocks within Bitcoin are considered to be insecure, right? Un- unsafe because you. That's why we wait like six comps or whatever to, to deposit funds into like you know Coinbase or whatever. And in and in in an proof of stake networks like Thorchain, the immediate blocks are safe, and the older blocks are not through what's called a long range attack. Right. So it's kind of this, this inverse property. Mm-hmm. Right. So in order for Thorchain to function for it to work, it needs to be able to get a consensus on top of consensus. Right. It needs to get a consensus on top of what Bitcoin's consensus is doing and Ethereum and AVAX and BNB and Doge and, and whatever else. And so it can't use proof of work as its mechanism because it needs it needs, it needs that instant finality. It needs to, to know what actually transpires so that it can do the logic to swap and trade. So proof of work is not a really a viable use case. I mean, because you could do it, 
but it would be problematic because it would have to delay all transactions by you know hours probably, especially in the earlier days uh, when the when the mining um, power is relatively low. And so it, it's not really that practical to be used. And so you need to use something else, which would in this case be proof of stake. And then proof of stake's design, uh, yes, there's a smaller quantity of of uh, operators, right? And for us, we're we're just shooting for like around 100, maybe 125 or something like this. Like, there's only so many that you can, you can actually have because of the capital requirements to actually run a node, right? But it's, for us, it's it's also just about making sure that the incentives are there, right? That people can't steal or act maliciously without losing a huge amount of money for themselves. Like that's really what what we kind of focus on. In some sense, we will never be as essentialized as Bitcoin. It will. Uh, I'm never. I'm not even going to try. Right. The highest that a Cosmos chain can even go right now is like maybe 200, maybe 250. But it's unlikely we even have enough room to actually support that quantity of nodes. Likely, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to be around 100 nodes, give or take, minus 25, plus 25, whatever it is. Uh, probably for the foreseeable future. I think, from my opinion, that that's decentralized enough to accomplish the goal of what we're trying to accomplish. If the event happens where, like, the government's coming after, you know, Thorchain for some reason or, or purpose, whatever, and then nodes just can move. Just as miners move from China to other, you know, Kazakhstan and other locations when when China banned, uh, mm -hmm. I think three provinces of China banned uh, Bitcoin mining like about a year ago or a little over a year. Yeah, ago. yeah. So I, I imagine the same would occur for us as a, as a, as a community is that if there's a, a problem location, let's call it the U.S., for example, then nodes will just destroy and then rebuild in Ireland or Singapore or Maltese or whatever. I think that's probably the decentralized enough to accomplish the goal we're trying to do. Now, this might be a stupid question, but, but can they not just change their API address to a different country or do they have to physically just move? Um, well, there's different ways you could do it. Like you, you could set up a VPN, for example, and right, right. channel your, your node through a VPN that comes out of Singapore. Uh, but that adds technical complexity and cost, more opportunity for things for fail. So it makes more sense just from a simplicity perspective and a reliability perspective, just to just to destroy the node, rebuild it in Singapore with, with the same keys. Like you just you don't even need to actually destroy the node. Like you destroy the node itself, but not the keys. And so you like maintain the keys and you create a new node and you inject the same keys as before. And you okay. just like care and from the network's perspective, like nothing happened. It's just the same node operating. But the IP has changed from an American IP to a Singapore IP or whatever it is. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, talk about some of the risk in the in the decentralized exchange. Uh, you want to take yeah, it? yeah, definitely wanted to kind of change it as said. Um, in 2021, Thor Chain had two hacks and notes went down for a few days. So I just kind of wanted to know, what did you learn from that? Um, how did that, you know, take steps forward? Yeah, I, 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 I we, as a term, we, uh, we, as a team, we learned a lot from that scenario. I learned a lot personally from that scenario, which I'm grateful for those lessons. Um, the first thing we learned was um, we needed a dedicated uh, security team full-time dedicated security team that is continuously attacking the, our network in a, in, a, in a helpful way and continuing auditing every code change that's made. Like nothing gets merged to master until this team, you know, gives a, 
a thumbs up and there and obviously they have a very narrow view like of like we're just looking from a security we're not looking from a functionality perspective or like whatever although they sometimes help in that regard too but like their primary focus is really just like is this opening up some sort of security related issues like that was the first thing because we had done a lots of audits we spent probably close to a million dollars on audits from gauntlet and certic and you know i think we did like six or seven in total something like this uh and none of them were fruitful to be honest with you, like none of them found anything. And that's not because there was nothing to find. There were actually were, were bugs at that time, significant ones uh, that when we would find ourselves later. Um, and so we've just, I became very bearish on the idea of audits because they're, they're just like paid stamps. I feel like, right. They really don't do that great of a job. They, they look at it for a few weeks and like walk away and just, they, I don't know. I just, I get, I just don't, didn't like the experience of what I had with working with auditors. But once you hire a security team, like a secure, like a dedicated team, they are in it to win it. They're not in it for a buck. They're in it because they are getting a room bonus as, as, as every other dev is making, and they want to make sure this whole thing is successful. They and those people who were part of Thorstack, they actually are full believers of what it is we're trying to accomplish. Whereas, you know, if you hire somebody like Certech, whatever, like they may believe what you're doing, they may not. They don't really give a shit. They're just there for the money, and then get the hell out of there, right? And that that like that incentive is not quite right to have really effective, you know, bug finding or, or security, you know, uh, squashing right of, of issues. So that was one of the that was one of the first things for me. We we learned, and I think I think and I hope more DeFi teams kind of follow suit and learn from our, our mistakes right. and build their own dedicated security team. That that I would definitely would advocate for in the, in the industry as, as a general good. Yeah. As somebody that used to work in tech and on the kind of music side, it was amazing to me to see the security team um, of what they were preventing and what they were throwing to make sure that they could cover it. And so, yep. Uh, I have I a good friend of mine who, who worked for Coinbase for a while um, on their security team. And he was part of the I think he's part of the red team there, red team versus blue team. And like the number of engineers they have who are all very smart. Like Coinbase does not hire idiots. They're, they're it's a it's a good company built with strong people, uh, and they have this massive teams to, to make sure that these systems are secure, which is great, right? Yeah. But we don't see that in DeFi. Like we don't never we never see security teams in DeFi. It's like it's kind of a a missing link in some sense, right? Um, one of the other things I think I, I learned from that is just that we need to build um, a more defensive network that. It's not about finding every bug or issue in the code base because you can never be certain that you ever find them all, right? You don't know how many exist in the network. And so you can never be assured that you found them all. Just because you have somebody audit and look at the code doesn't and they find nothing doesn't mean that there's nothing to be found. It just means that they found nothing, right? And it's always like a known unknown. Like, you know, you never know, right? And so we, have the, we started building just like security measures that were just, just strong blankets of security across the entire protocol. So even if you found some exploit or some issue, you know, most likely that thing would be caught by these strong blankets to protect the entire network, right? Solvency checkers, uh, all sorts of things we have in place to, to make sure that like, even if you were to trick the system in one form or another, you'd be caught by these like big giant barriers on the way up. Do you see what I mean? Right. That became a much more effective way to, to secure this network is just thinking about 
um, giant barriers to, to protection rather than individual patches to individual bugs. I mean, obviously we do both. Like, don't I want to say that we're not looking for bugs. Obviously we look for bugs. We have a white, a white hat program or a bug bounty program. People can pay a lot of money to, to find, you know, significant issues or bugs in their code base, which we have paid out money to the people who have actually helped and found problems with TSS, for example. Um, but that's like that's a very effective way of doing it, just a blanketed protection. And then also the last thing I would say is is like is the bug bounty program. Having a well documented, well public, and well funded bug bounty program is also just make sure that we get all the white hats in the world looking at our code base and making sure there's nothing of uh, any, any severity. Right. Okay. Wow. Um, so big projects like DoorChain have a lot of at stake money time people so on i don't need to go on um but um what's keeping you up at night what are the potential problems <laughs> um oh well so like one of the the thing that always keeps me up at night i said this before we even launched single chain chaos and it's still true today is the, the potential for exploit right like i said like before like you never know whether or not more exploits do or don't exist you just do the best you can and 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 you know hope that there aren't any right that's all you really can do and we just make sure you have the best procedures and processes to to ensure that as much as you can so that's what's always going to keep me up at night right because i will never know whether or not there are more exploits or not i all i know is that there's always the potential always going to be a potential right even in like bitcoin's case where they like uh, infinite mint bug 10 years after bitcoin launched right like you never know you can never really 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 know so that, that's the thing that I, i'm always most concerned about uh personally um and then also the other thing is that there might be some sort of economic reason why the the, the system doesn't work right maybe some problem with savers for example or or, or synthetics or lending or you know some aspect of, of swaps or something like that that um you know some edge case comes up that we weren't aware of or saw before and, and it caused some sort of issue with the network right um we always have to be worried about those things with that it can never be extinguished no matter what you do or say and we have to make sure that we're honest with the, with the community we don't tell people that it's safe and secure and that nothing will ever happen to anything ever and have a rosy picture of the world the reality is it is a protocol it is new it's still under under development we're still building you know massive features like savers and lending for example and so people should be aware of that and be aware of those risks and you know and treat it uh, with the respect that it deserves about um you know the potential for issues that's one of the things i see with torchain uh is, is you guys go slowly uh you're not you're not building fast i i was caught i lost some money in the terra ecosystem i think they were moving way too fast uh and uh and that's one of the things i, I yeah i want i want to point out because i know you guys are like okay we're going to do synthetics only 10 percent uh or, or we're going to do this we're going to we're going to then do 15 percent to not do that to me just feels very irresponsible right like we've seen DeFi projects uh, in the past that <clears throat> that launched on day one and then by day four there's some massive issue and like everything is like a billion dollars is lost like we've literally seen this happen in DeFi yeah. because oh i wrote the code in like three and a half weeks and you know yolo ourselves into this situation like you're dealing with other people's money here that should not be taken lightly right and yeah, so yeah. That, that's that's why when we launched like uh, our our public beta, right? Our, what we call the multi-chain chaos net. Um, we launched it with, with those caps, right? Because we did, we weren't, we knew that there was 
going to be some chaos. That's why we call it chaos now. We knew there were going to be, we were going to be bugs. We didn't know the severity of the bugs. We just knew that there were going to be bugs, right? And so we, we, we launched with, with, with caution and we limited the amount of capital to be relatively small. And we, uh, we get more confident. We kind of like raise those caps, right? And it's the same thing with these major new features we're, we're planning on launching. We don't launch it with like, you know, balls to the wall, YOLO, whatever the fuck happens. We launch it small and concise. <clears throat> and so that there is any issues or, or bugs, like it has very minimal impact, right? And so as we get more confidence that everything works and functions correctly, we just naturally up up the limits right and increase the caps until it gets to the point where we feel it's um you know uh strong and, and, and reliable enough that we can just let people kind of come in as they want to yeah same reason you're a 16 year old ferrari right you like <laughs> yeah <laughs> some, real, some real guards <laughs> there uh, i wanted to talk about the the decentralized future so uh i, I mentioned earlier i'm an ex-banker so uh, one of the things you see rich people do over and over is they make more money by not selling their assets, right? So they, they get a loan or equity from their house or, you know, and super rich people got some art or businesses, you know, they're, they're not selling it. They're just uh, leveraging it as using banks and whatnot, right? So, uh, and I try some decentralized personally. I, I've used Celsius to get some, this is before the bankruptcy, uh, uh, to get some, you know, Bitcoin, with, with, with got some uh, stable coins. And one of the problem that I saw with the, with that was the liquidation, right? So you're like, speaking of speaking up, you know, staying up at night, you know, you, you're like, you build this five Bitcoin, like, I think I'm going to buy, let's say a car or, or invest somewhere else, but I'm going to keep my five Bitcoins. Uh, interest didn't bother me as much, but but the liquidation, right? So so, uh, which brings me to you know, innovation in, in the decentralized space. You know, you can make something a little bit better, which I think Celsius was doing it, and then you then you can make something completely entirely new. So I wanted to bring up Thorfi. I watched your video, like the hour long video that you're explaining this, and and I've read a bunch of stuff. Uh, so the zero percent lending, no liquidation, no expiration of the loan, man, what a what an innovation! If you guys can pull it off, I know it's not live yet. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because that's that's a great equalizer for people. Yeah, um, yeah, DeFi loans today, in my view, aren't really practical. Like you can use it to like three x long your ETH position, if like you would use for MakerDAO, for example, which is fine if you want to do that. You know, have a good time. But if you want to buy a car with it, to to your point, like it's really stressful because the whole liquidation potential, like and, and crypto is obviously volatile. Like no one would say crypto is not volatile. So you put up five Bitcoin as your as your collateral for BlockFi, and you, you buy a car, whatever you're trying to do, like and you might get liquidated. That's just a really stressful way to live. In fact, I was actually talking to a guy who came on to, to Twitter Spaces the other day, and he wanted to buy a car so he could get to work. This guy named Francis, and uh, he had 44 emails back and forth from him in a, in a traditional bank trying to get a $10,000 loan so that he can buy a car so he can get to work more safely, right? And like, he still didn't have that kind of loan. Yeah. After after 44 emails for $10,000, we're not talking about like a $2 million loan here for some massive house, $10,000. And he just had a hard time getting it, right? And then he took out a loan on Ave and he found that he couldn't sleep at night. 
because they were so worried about the ETH price diving next month and like and just stressed out from it, right? Which which we don't want financial tools that stress us out. That, that's kind of counterproductive. And I think what makes Thorchain's lending design so innovative is that because it's no liquidations, you don't have that risk of losing your collateral ever for any reason mm-hmm. ever. You never lose your access to the to that collateral you can have it whenever the hell you want you're just gonna pay back your debt that is transformed we don't see that in banking like you're you said you're from the, the banking sector that does not exist in banking to have a zero percent interest no liquidations and no uh, expiration that wouldn't even qualify as a loan within traditional finance that would be considered to be a a, a gift actually it's <laughs> in, yeah because it could be it requires some sort of expiration for it to be considered a loan for one like and so this doesn't exist in DeFi, it doesn't exist in CeFi, and it doesn't exist in TradFi. And so we're creating an entire new loan design that's very novel and very experimental. And so people should read about it, understand it, like, please do the work to do so. Re- watch the video that you, of me talking for an hour kind of explaining it all. We'll, we'll link it here. Link, yeah, link it in the show, the show notes here or whatever. But like, uh, understand it, because if this works, it is probably one of the most revolutionary um, financial instruments that we've seen in many years because allow people to have access to zero percent interest no liquidations loans is a game changer in so many respects because it actually does allow somebody to buy a car without you know stressing out every night about it right or maybe losing all their collateral actually does allow somebody to go on vacation actually does allow people to be able to 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 be more capital efficient with their own capital with their own Bitcoin and still remain financially exposed to the Bitcoin price, but still be able to live your life right to the fullest, you know, buy your wife something nice. I don't know, whatever it is, like just improve the quality of your life, whatever that is, buy some hookers and blow. I don't care. Like whatever, you, <laughs> whatever it is you're into, you know, enjoy yourself, enjoy life, improve the quality of life, spend the money to, to live. Right. Um, and this actually allows people to do just that. And that's, I think that's something to be proud about. That's something to be excited about. And yes, it is experimental. It's completely different design we've seen, a lending design we've seen in anywhere else in the space. So it it requires a lot of you know uh, validation and testing and all these things. And then even when we launch this thing, we'll launch it on a very small scale just to watch it, see what happens, right? And so if there, it does go you know, wrong, it's not going to go wrong in some massive way. Be very, the, the fallout would be very, very small and very, very minimal. Right. So we're going to be cautious about it, but we're very, um, you know, bullish on the, the idea of it. And, and we feel that it would actually would, would work uh, structurally and actually also benefits the Thorchain network itself to improve uh, its security, its pool depths and actually scale the network much higher than it possibly could before. Man, Chet, you continue to get me fired up. Yeah, this <laughs> is a great conversation. I love it. Um as we are winding down, uh, we do the sting, a lightning round. Would love to ask you a couple questions, answer as fast as possible. All right. He's taking on a challenge. Let's do it. Um, what's the last show you binged? Last show I binged? Um, uh, that's when I finished was um, Andor on Disney+. Plus. I'm a Star Wars fan. Yeah. I like it. Uh, text or talk? Text or talk? Uh, text. I don't like to talk to people. I'm a, I'm a nerd. I don't have very good social skills. <laughs> Thanks for talking to us, man. Yeah, yeah. no, thank you for having me. I, no, I, I text more than I, I hate to call people. I rather just text. Yeah. Call uh, your mom once in a while, though, right? Uh, coffee or tea? 
Um, neither. I don't drink coffee and I don't drink tea. I don't. Do, I. I think maybe my vice is like is like Coca Cola, uh, or the pop. If you're from, you're from the Midwest, yeah. If you're from the Midwest or so, but that's you know I don't drink uh Coke and like uh, sorry coffee and that kind of stuff. I actually made the determination when I was in high school uh, that I didn't want to consume anything that created chemical dependencies. So no liquor, no coffee, no drugs. Just because I wanted to be holy myself. I didn't want to be like under the influence of or the feel like I need to have coffee in order to function in the morning. Like I was terrified of that idea. So I, I never got into that stuff. Okay. Probably uh, smart move, yeah. Yeah, very smart. Uh, uh, Basil or Musk? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I used to be a huge fan of Elon, to be honest with you. Like he was one, of, like probably the person I would have wanted to have dinner most in the world if you'd asked me a few years ago, like when I first got into crypto. But... I mean, recently he's just been a he's been, he's basically a very successful internet troll. Like he just says shit and he ruins things and he, he doesn't treat the power of his Twitter account with the respect that it actually deserves. Like how it can sway industries. He just kind of like yolos shit all the time. That's just to me, he's very irresponsible. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for him. He's building really interesting things, right? Like yeah. SpaceX and Tesla and like uh, uh, a Neuralink and all these other things. It's conceptually, there's a cool, and hopefully they manifest into real things that actually improve people's lives. Uh, I actually own a Tesla myself. Like, I'm a big fan of Tesla. Like, it's a great company. But, like, Bezos is um, an innovator. He created, like, he, he was basically the one that invented e-commerce, in a sense. Yeah. Like, he was the right. first one to do it successfully back in, like, 1997. Started off as just books and then expanded other things. And so he did a lot of innovation with that company. Right of the Amazon company, and Amazon does really great service for a lot of humanity. So it's a tough, it's a tough thing. But I like what Elon is doing more in terms of the grandiose aspects of it, like putting people on Mars, for example. But Bezos has contributed more to, to society. Okay. No, um, iOS or Android? iOS. I'm, I've been an Apple fan for a long time. My first job out of college was an uh, Apple genius. Right. Yeah. Uh, I got certified. I flew to Cupertino and, and all that stuff. And and I was a big Apple fan, like fanatic, you know, in my early days of college and, and so forth and so on. And so that I shifted today. My my fixation, I was on crypto, but uh, but I was. Yeah. Well, that, well, the user experience is just just, not, you know, second to none. Yeah. yeah the, the UI, the UX, like it's just what I love about Apple is that you could take a, anybody's kitchen table and put all of their products on somebody's kitchen table. Like they stay focused and fixated and doing a few things extremely well versus like a company like, you know, Mitsubishi who creates, you know, uh, like motorcycles and, and microwaves and lawnmowers, lawnmowers <laughs> medical equipment, like everything under the sun and none of them actually works well. It's just like mediocre shit that just kind of like like spray and prey onto the markets and just like try to make a lot of money that way. Whereas just like the the attention to detail that Apple puts into every one of their products is is a thing of beauty and something that I, I appreciate. And it's something I hope I to do myself to replicate in the work and the things that I build to have that appreciation to every little detail and to you know put something in the world that I'm very proud of, as they are proud of their products. Yeah. What's your favorite NFT that you own? Uh, I haven't really got into the NFT space. My favorite, I guess, would be I have a a, um, a Thor guard, right, from the Thorchain community. But I I, I, use have, that as my, I have one too. Yeah, I love it. I think it's really cool looking, and I put it as my my Discord, you know, 
icon in my Discord thing. Uh, but I haven't really gotten into NFTs in general. I think NFTs are revolutionary, but not this cycle. Like the way that things are structured today is horseshit and it's bullshit. People think they're buying uh, the 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 rights to something, and oftentimes they're not buying that, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're buying NBA NBA uh, shot hot shots, whatever the hell that thing was called. That's the biggest one, I think, right? Yeah, it's shots. huge, massive. But you're not buying jack shit. Like people think they're going into a museum and buying some art off the wall. In reality, they're going to the gift shop and buying the postcard. Like that's really what they're actually <laughs> buying, which is a little bit comical. Uh, and then it's, it's it's purely speculative, purely it's just only speculation in these things, which is not really a good thing. But the potential of NFTs is massive, right? What you can do with like music rights, for example, as you were talking about before, is huge. Uh, home ownership. Uh, there's lots of applications of NFTs that will be transformational. And I think that we'll get there. But this first cycle is just it's just all money, you know, dollar signs being thrown everywhere and just nonsense so much bullshit in the in the empty world right now but that will shift i think that'll change over the next five to ten years and it becomes something really significant and, and very useful for the world okay uh what's the one and first word that comes to mind when you think about crypto uh freedom liberty that's that to me what it represents more human rights is probably another good one to use it is a, a significant advancement in human rights. Crypto creates what I consider to be inalienable human rights, right? Inalienable human rights. It cannot be taken away from you for any reason or, or purpose by anybody. All that it requires is just access to the internet, which is what pretty much everybody has, except for if you're in prison. But like, it's to me, it's 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 transformational in that sense. So that, that's the most, what's most important about it is the freedom, the liberty, self sovereignty, so human rights. What it what it grants. And last question, what do you think the meaning of life? The meaning of life? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, no, it's a good question. question. The meaning of life. All right. Let him I'll go. ask if you want me to answer. Let him go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, okay. I'll answer. This is the okay. meaning of life. This is how I define it, right? Yeah. It is to make sure that, that you leave this planet better than you found it. That's the meaning of life, right? If, you, if I can die in a way that I've left this world better in some form or fashion, it doesn't have to be as grandiose as the things that I'm shooting for. It can be something small, right? But like, it, it doesn't be grand for everybody. For me, I'm going as big as I possibly humanly can to build the biggest, most impactful, most important protocols that actually empower people and, and help humanity one form or another. That's my personal goal. But it doesn't have to be that way for everybody. But just to make sure that when you leave this world, that you feel better about the world was when you found it. If you can accomplish that, you're successful in life. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. Chad, thank you. Well done. I appreciate you going through the lightning round. And um, anything you want to talk about last? Uh, any last comments, responses? We'll love your thoughts on this. No, man. Thank you guys for having me on. It's your first, you know, your first host. You know, I, I feel honored and privileged to, 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 to have that title in a sense. Um, but people should stay focused uh, on and read more about Thorchain. If you don't know a lot about it already, then just like I'm not even going to tell people to buy Rune. Like don't even don't even bother with that. Just stay focused on just reading about it, understanding about it. And the the more you read about it, the more you understand. The more you understand the mechanics at play, the more you're going to like it. And you probably the result with that would probably to be to be buying the asset. But I'm, but just like I encourage people to learn about 
the AMM model, the slip-based fee, the tennis pendulum, synthetics, savers, lending, all these things are, are like revolutionary in their own rights uh, in many ways. Like I could spend probably a half an hour at any one of those topics explaining why that one particular thing is a, a significant and revolutionary in our entire industry. Even like we removed MEV, like we killed MEV three years ago. And yet it's still debated and argued about today. And it's just like, I get talk about half an hour on that alone, you know, on just that one topic. Well, we're going to have you back, man. Season have two. Me, have me back for season two or whatever, and we'll, we can go into some weeds. Yeah, Chad, thank you. Um, very uh, influential, motivating. You know, you really sparked some things in me and Vishal and oh, everybody here in the podcast studio. So thank you. We appreciate it. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. And for more information, check out our Twitter, uh, So Why Crypto, on our website also, So Why Crypto. Uh, until next time, for Vishal, myself, thank you All for right. listening. Peace out. So, so, so Why Crypto? So Why Crypto? Why Crypto? So Why Crypto? So Why Crypto? Featuring Vishal and Quay. Quay.